Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to tonight's episode of Sports Q&A Podcast, episode five, our holiday wish list, sports-wise, that is. I'm Q. I'm A, and we're here again tonight. Thank you for listening for all these good things. Sports Q&A Podcast number five is holiday season. Uh, here, it is not really felt like it. It's a little bit cold, but no snow yet. I know Q has a view the lens when it comes to holiday season and weather nowadays after living in Florida and not <laughs> So I'm not even gonna count here what his holiday season is. He that man wearing shorts on Christmas. Nah. I mean when I was living in Florida, yeah, but now it might be I guess it's still better than Michigan, but it's still low fifties. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. No fifties. Yeah. Yeah, dude, you can keep that. I'm I am i am you can fifties, man. Um if I could get fifties all season. It was forty today when I was doing backflips, even though it was raining. <laughs> oh, rumor is supposed to snow on Christmas. Nothing wrong with that. I like the snow for some period of the winter time, but Man, it, it, it's that time. It's winter time, and some some teams in college football. It was Christmas early for them. Yeah, lose early signing day. Um, I would have to say just <clears throat> buzz keeping college football in the mouths of fans in the beginning of bowl season when you don't necessarily know what game is coming on and what night on uh, what day, or like. The Bahama Bowl coming on at 12 tomorrow if you're in the uh, Eastern time zone. Um, but this new signing day is a little bit new. I mean, and I'm proud to say at least uh, in my area in Detroit, you had a lot of players taking advantage of early signing day, making those decisions, getting those big decisions out the way. And not all of them are early enrollees. I think out of King High School, out of the 10 guys, two guys are early enrollees. Um, but guys are really able to commit and kind of get that out. Cause, and I, I really want to probably get a – I think I'll work on this going forward, but get an idea from players that have gone through and had to sit on where they thought they were going to school for months and wait until February. I think it really assists and helps in that process, but the real question is, in this new system with the early signing day, who has the advantage? If you're looking at whether it's the players or the teams, I have to give the the players the advantage. Now, you can just not have to deal with avoiding coaches, avoiding recruiters for these last two months. I mean, it's a it's an easy process. Now you can finish. You can go into Christmas knowing that that pressure is off of you, and you don't have to worry about it. I can only imagine excuse me, the stress that guys in the past had to deal with going into Christmas, the new year. You're still getting harassed by coaches, phone calls from coaches on Christmas, Christmas Eve, New Year's, New Year's Eve, all this time. It's like, can you just let me be? So I think this is a perfect opportunity. If you know where you want to go, um, it gives you an opportunity to close that door 
And then for some of the other recruits that were like the the, the lesser knowns, the three stars or the, the late bloomers, now you may be in a position where uh, in the past a team may not, have, may not have given you an opportunity. They're giving you a shot because, oh, they may have missed out on this guy. They missed out on this guy that they thought they were going to get. And now they can circle the horses and say, okay, we still need a linebacker. We still need a running back. Your tape was good, and we missed out on our first choice, even our second choice. I mean, it sucks to be the third choice, but at least you still now have an option. Now you can say, oh, I can go to Michigan State. I can go to Michigan. I can go to Ohio State Um, because a space, so to speak, opened up because they – they didn't hit on the guy that they were expecting to. I mean, you look at a situation, I don't think this is the case. I think they're satisfied with where they're going. But say a defensive end or a defensive tackle pops up on Michigan's radar because of some things that happened or didn't take place with guys like Harrison or some of the the, the, the late transfers and stuff like that. Now a guy that may not have gotten a shot because Harrison committed to – I mean, to Ohio State in February, now he knows, okay, we have two months to kind of rush the deal. We've seen Michigan come in and and swoop in on recruits and close the deal. Now, it may not be as much. You're you're kind of picking over the leftovers because I think where I saw somewhere it said uh, 75% of the ESPN 300 had signed with the team. So, I mean – you really don't – this is where recruiting comes into play, the the digging and uh, finding the diamonds in the rough come into play. So if you're a team like a Michigan State, and I'll focus on them, that does a great job with player development, this is the time to eat. And it looks like they're going to need some help because they lost their only running back recruit to Rutgers, which is funny. But I'm not going to have jokes about that. Yes, so you know a lot of, of course, the classic flips, uh, last minute flip flops in Michigan case, getting Dax, uh, Hill. Uh, but the thing, I think now it really is going to be from a college, from the from the team aspect, a numbers game, because I don't think you'll get the. Oversigned a number of gray shirts, unless people, you know, because some guys with gray shirt who end up gray shirt and didn't know they were gray shirts. Whereas now you have situations where you know if I haven't signed yet, how many players my team, the team that I, or teams that are recruiting me have? Because you had mm-hmm. probably fall off some players maybe because they didn't sign early. Um, so it's this new piece when it comes to the number. Game, I think is going to be key, and I think that the biggest part of the recruiting piece, as you stated, I give Michigan State credit where credit is due with the development of these players that affect the team and make the team better is that development. I mean, you look at it, and Harbaugh has done a, a, a great job recruiting. You haven't necessarily seen it. Uh, on the field altogether, but you definitely have seen it in the number of players who've been drafted. So you yeah. players and determine what how, what am I looking to get out of this? Am I looking to get championships and pros, or am I looking just to go to the pros? And I think you need to get 
a certain type of players with st- certain type of skill set in order to get the both of best worlds. And that's going to be the interesting piece going forward uh, is Michigan going to be able to capture that uh, at the same time. Because at this point in time, it doesn't look like it's a huge big drop-off with Urban and retirement uh, other than losing uh, their quarterback to to uh, staying on Georgia. Yeah. I, so uh, <clears throat> I just think the players – uh, are getting more of a say in this, uh, having more power, as much power as they can in the system that's really not slated for them to really win. Uh, it's slated for them to benefit, but not necessarily win. I think this gives them a greater opportunity and really be able to decipher between the smoke that some coaches blow up their behind and what the truth is. And I think that's kind of the biggest piece and able to be able to, to make that happen. Funny thing I heard on the radio today, I'm trying to think, I can't remember what show it was, but Ryan Leaf was on the, uh, was on there talking about his recruiting process and how he was being recruited by Oklahoma, uh, Miami, uh, USC, I mean, sorry, UCLA, and uh, I can't remember what the other team. And he said he was at home watching the Rose Bowl, watching uh, UCLA in the Rose Bowl, uh, and uh, Washington State's coach, uh, coach called him and said, what you doing? He said, I'm watching the Rose Bowl. He said, uh, why don't you come with us? Uh, you can go to the Rose Bowl with me. He said he did such a great job selling him on that phone call that he went and told his parents that he was signing with him. Little did he know that Washington State hadn't gone to the Rose Bowl in 68 years. <laughs> but it was that selling job and, and uh, a lot of people will argue differently, but I, they they'll say, "Well, you're recruited to the you, you're you're committing to the school and not to the coach," and that's not true. You you you're you're committing to the relationship that either you have built or you feel you will build with the coach, and that's a huge part. And I really think that uh, the ability to have that option to either make that decision, sign your name, or to think about a little more is more beneficial to the student athlete to make that happen. I also think with this early signing period that you'll find you're going to find uh, a different approach when it comes to coaches. I mean, uh, with schools, we're replacing coaches. Uh, you know, if coaches, even if you're a winning team and the coaches leave into a bigger program, I got to get you out of here now because we're going to mm-hmm. – Recruits, and you've seen that in a couple of with a couple of schools. Letting, hey, you got to go. We're gonna make this happen. Or the new school saying, hey, we can't afford to let you play. Do this last sentimental bowl game. You got to come with us now, and that's gonna be a change piece as well. And you may see quicker turnarounds from the end of the season, or you'll see coaches get fired more in in season instead of waiting to the end of the season to make sure that they have somebody in place for the early signing day. Because if you miss out on early signing day now, you may be lost. And that loss may take years to uh, rectify itself. Yeah, especially if you're a bigger program. I think, as we were saying earlier, the the power of the group of six schools, because they're going to be the, the teams that normally have the coaches go elsewhere. So they're finding their replacement. 
I think they can recover because their their recruits tend to. I mean, even though from what I was seeing, looking at schools like Western, Central, Eastern, SMU down here, a lot of their guys still signed, but you still had pockets of guys still commitments still holding out. So I mean, it, it's it's going to be interesting to see how things go, and it, it's that sell job you have. You mentioned the Ryan Lee situation. I can recall watching on ESPN Urban Meyer talking to Zeke Elliott when he was recruiting him out of St. Louis, and he kind of told him the same story, envision holding holding the national championship trophy, kissing and all that stuff, and it came to pass. I mean, you have coaches like that that can sell that vision, and, I mean, some guys are going to believe it. And it's it's just interesting when you look at, what things are listened to and what things are kind of uh, taken for a grain of salt. I mean, the whole situation with Dax Hill um, flip-flopping between Michigan and Alabama, it all stemmed from rumors. It stemmed from a situation where a a recruit heard that, oh, your coach isn't going to be there. Your assistant coaches, your position coaches may not be there. And he got worried, and he had seen some things. I think what happened was the parents normally had a a, a hands on interaction with the recruiting, but they they stepped back. And when they stepped back, that opened the door for doubt because Dax really didn't have anybody to kind of lean on. So when that happened, he made the decision to flip to Alabama really without talking to his parents. So when it when that happened, they were like, hold on, whoa, 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 what's going on? What's going on? And that's when they jumped back in and said, let's figure this out. Because one thing I did notice amidst the whole situation, his mom never changed her Twitter profile from saying even after he flipped. So she knew something was still, if you pay attention to the tea leaves, there were some things going on because he had changed his Twitter profile to say Alabama, but mom didn't change. And it's, it's just interesting to see how you have recruits that some play, some parents have great influence, some others don't have any. Um, the Zach Harrison situation, his mom played a major factor in him staying home. We go back years ago to Malik McDowell. His mom did not want him to go to Michigan State. But, and she was, that's where Florida State came in. She was willing to let that boy leave the state so he did not go to Michigan State. But in the end, she relented, let her son make the decision. He went up to Michigan State, had a somewhat good career, stayed out of trouble for the most part, but everything fell apart once he got to the NFL. You have a guy, uh, a linebacker this year, Kalen DeLoach, committed to Florida State, visited Michigan. His parents, if it was up to his parents, he would have signed with Michigan because they loved Michigan. They loved everything about the process, but they let her, they let their son make the decision. So it's like it's it's interesting how some how some people are hands on, others are hands off, and I have to wonder, and I and I ask you this question. If you're one of your sons' high-profile recruit, how would you handle that? Would you let him make a decision 
live with that decision and be okay? Or will you be that parent that says, okay, I know you want to go to the school, but see this, hear this, listen to this, and hear me out why I don't think that's a good idea for you? I really think uh, <clears throat> it's about knowing your, your child and knowing what's best for them. And prior to this getting to this full-fledged recruiting process where it's the senior year of signing, of really letting them understand what they need out of a school. Uh, because with it being school, school is school. Can't play football. You're not eligible. You won't graduate without a certain, without passing classes. You need to go to a school that's going to be able to support both your dreams and your goals. So, I would really encourage the the research behind the schools and align it with where they are. But make make him do the research. So these are the schools you want to go to. Okay, here's the football portion. I understand that. What is what? What about the other portion? And at the end of the day, it is his decision. It will be his decision. I'm not going to make the decision for him, but I'm going to give him advice for him to be able to look for things that are going to be able to support him and give him things that kind of guard, you know, the, the snake oil salesman, but really let him kind of figure it out on his own. I mean, I, I can say watching from afar when uh, the brothers from, uh, from college, his son is a one of the top recruits in Tennessee, a linebacker, and just watching from social media, you know, going on the visits with him, of course, not sending him on the visits by himself, uh, where any and everything can happen, making it a family aspect, but understanding that this is your decision, exposing him to every aspect, uh, but also making sure that he has the profile for, for those schools, um, not just the the athletic, but the academic, because I think that's the biggest thing. People can really get caught on the football side of it. But uh, being that student athlete, that balance has to be able to be there, especially in season, because, you know, you have to make sure that you do things a certain way. Um, Unfortunately, I've seen players, you know, be ineligible, upperclassmen not making the grades by, by not having that or the discipline or the foundation. So um, I would really kind of walk and guide him and, and make sure he asks the questions that he needs to know to make the best decision uh, and not necessarily just pick the best football team because a lot of times the best football team may not be the best team for you because they may be backloading. You may not get opportunity barring injuries in your senior year, even with a red shirt. <clears throat> it's really doing the research, and I think that's the biggest thing. Do your research and make an informed decision. And also, let them know that hey, these decisions outside something catastrophic, you know, we we should be in this to win it. You hold your end of the bargain and bring your best, which is all anybody can ask you. And you know, work and have faith and patience in the system. The one thing that you have advantage that wasn't in place. You know, before was the new red shirt rule. So if he makes a decision and finds out that it's wrong, I can support him on that other end. Because uh, I'm sure when, you know, top players either are not playing or don't find themselves having good success, the coaches reach out to the parents. You know, because you can't reach out to the player 
and say, hey, is he happy or blah, 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 things to think about. So I would really kind of be uh, a, a hand, uh, if it makes sense, a hands-on, hands-off process of not doing it for him, letting him experience on his own, but maybe whatever decision he made, whether we have a flow chart, a PowerPoint presentation, things, because the same done have to be done if he was in the student athlete. If he's right. This is the process that you that you have to go. Through. Make sure these are the things that we need to play in, in play. So, um, I think that's what where I would do. Uh, but unless he was enrolling early, uh, and depending on how it was, I may encourage him. Hey, take out take a few more visits, and you know, in the month of January, to see you know if this is the fit for you. So, that's what that's what I would do. Uh, and then, and then I, I would even in this same thing with college, with the college football players as they go on um, is to the situation where it deals with uh, sitting out in the bowl games. You have uh, a good number of players following the lead of uh, some of their predecessors who are NFL bound deciding to sit out the bowl game. Now, of course, you'll never, well, I won't say never, it'll be very interesting, players that are playing in the playoffs. Now, that will be very interesting, but I think that that would affect them negatively in the NFL. Like, why are you running away from the championship or a run at the championship? So I would, uh, I would really... Um, like I, I don't have an issue at all with the players not playing because we've seen players play and get hurt um, and it affects their career going forward now that injuries are part of the game but it, I think the biggest part with injuries uh, is the mental aspect uh, I'm talking about major injuries, injuries, season, season ending injuries, the ones that have surgeries, and it's a, it's an eight, ten, twelve month recovery piece. Um, but I really don't have an issue um, with it. If you were a coach, would you have an issue with players not playing? No, I mean it's even if I did have an issue with it, they never know because that, and I think this goes into the situation, the circumstance of what happened up at Michigan State. Uh, Coach D'Antoni, Antonio had a, a player, Justin Lane, decide, oh, okay, I'm bypassing the bowl game because I'm declaring for the NFL. Um, and he expresses disappointment. Now, you can be disappointed all you want. This is a guy that gave his all for to the program for three years, and he decides this is in the best interest for me and my family not to play this game for whatever reason. You have you have to respect that because now if players are smart, I mean, I guess it really doesn't impact much because they're just words, but now you're having a coach. Do you really want to play, a co- play for a coach that will throw you under the bus, so to speak, or display his displeasure publicly? Like, we can be behind closed doors and you tell me that. You could tell me that as I'm leaving or whatever, but to be public, to say that in a public forum, I, it didn't sit well with me. 
and it wouldn't sit well with me if I was my son. Um, it's, it's just one of those things where you just have to respect your decision. It's no different than that guy declaring that you think isn't ready. Would you sit there and begrudge him then, even if he plays in the bowl game and he's a, a red shirt sophomore and he decides, oh, I'm going to the league, but you're not ready. So I'm going to leave. This is a decision I've made. I want to go. Are you going to talk about that player? Probably so. If, if you're D'Antonio, what's the difference? And you have to sit there and say, while I may not agree with it, I support this young man who's been a part of our program for the last two, three, well, three, four years, his decision. And he will always be a Spartan in my eye, and no matter what he does. And we love him for it. And that's it. Yeah, I, I think that's how you should do it. Um, you've seen players, I mean, coaches do this in the past. You had Pete Carroll say that about Sanchez. Um, and it's really just, um, you know, it's a preference. At the end of the day, they're making the best decision. Players, I don't, there are not too many players that, that come out and publicly bash their coach when the coach decides to leave for green and pastors. Um, right. That's the, it's the same equivalent uh, with the players leaving early. And, again, I think this is the, the trending uh, the trending direction that players are making decisions that are best for them, not best for them. Now, will this uh, force um, NCAA to look at things differently and create type of systems? Because I think – Potentially, if you have enough star players um, pull out from bowl games or do, you know, you may have some that, you know, like Bosa. Bosa was recovering an injury. You know, all all lines pointed to him to be able to play this season, but uh, I think I'll go ahead and prepare for the NFL. You may have players, as it was rumored with uh, Damian Clowney, sitting out, hey, why don't you just sit out of here? You know, you may have that, and that may start affecting the product that you have. Um, but at right now, I think I, I, I applaud the players 100% for making this choice of putting themselves first. Now, again, you have to be 100, you got to be 100% sure that you're going to be drafted before you're sitting out from there. Because, I mean, uh, Higdon, he's going to be drafted, but where? I mean, I think playing in the bowl game. Could have showcased him and had a Brandon Graham effect. Like his bowl game performance elevated him and helped his draft stop. Um, yeah. So, I mean, again, players have to make the decisions what's best for them. I mean, I think uh, Gary really didn't have anything else to prove. Bush coming off that injury in the game really didn't have anything else to prove being an All-American. You know, that's it. But and you look on the other end, it hasn't been announced. He's not, but check Chase Winovich. He's playing, but that's the kind. Of, but he's a different type of guy. Like yeah. I, don't I ever wanted to take any plays off, uh, any games off, injury. Nah. Off. So he's a, he's a different type of guy. And and I think he 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 fits into that category that you just talked about with Brandon Graham. He still has some things to prove, and this is a showcase for him. And I mean, I heard people mention, okay, why? Well, Higdon Higdon goes and plays in the Senior Bowl. 
But that's a totally different situation because you're in more of a controlled environment. Yes, you can still get hurt, but that's like a step above the Pro Bowl or some of these all-star games like in high school. So it's, it's, it's still competitive, but it's not the, the full-out carnage that you would experience in the, in the regular season collegiate game. And I think it's just one of those things where, like you said, it's, it's a case-by-case, case and you have to just do, what, do what's best for you. There are some guys um, that are going to regret it, and there's going to be some guys that benefit from it. And I had someone say, will this force the hand of the NCAA to expand the, 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 the college playoff to make sure some of these other bowl games are meaningful? which makes these guys not want to not play in them. I mean, you still might have guys decide not to play. And what happens if a guy says, mm, oh, I, I'm a little nicked up in this game and but plays in the next round or whatever. Now you're causing some, some issues with that. Because, I mean, and, and I haven't gotten your assessment on it in a while, but everybody is talking this 16, 2014, 32-team playoff. I am not here for that. At most, yeah, I mean, looking at it, yeah, four may not be enough, but stop it at eight. Anything beyond eight diminishes the regular season because when you look at – I had a guy argue me down, they need 24 – they need 32 teams. That means a team like Northwestern that lost five games this year based off of the top 25 will be in the playoff. They do not – I don't care. So what they played in the – the Big Ten uh, championship game. They do not deserve the right after losing five games and losing. Didn't they lose all of their non-conference games? Uh, I want to say. Yeah, they were 0-4 in the uh, non-conference. They lost uh, one game. Yeah, they lost two games. No, so they, no, they lost three games in the non-conference and lost to Michigan and uh, Ohio State. So it's like. That's not a team that's championship worthy. And I think there has to be some type, something to look forward to. And that's why I say the eight is a, is a good number. You get the the five power conference championships, three at large bids, and just move on from there. Yeah, I, um, I'm a proponent of the eight game. A lot of people say six, but the thing is, is that it's still the same amount of time. Than eight, uh, it being more competitive, uh, it gives it more significance. Uh, and when you get into eight, I mean, you you're gonna ha- have, or you should only have, one, uh, you know, undefeated. I mean, unless you have uh, a surprise conference championship. And I don't even know if I'm a, a full fledged fan of automatic bid for a Power Five conference champion. Just because you have years where you have surprise champions and you can have a three-loss conference champion, you know, so if you're a conference champion, are you guaranteed a top five spot out of the eight? That that kind of throws things kind of sideways. Uh, I still think you still need to find uh, the as close as possible the eight best teams or the <clears> – <throat> Best is kind of hard to describe the teams, but I think the the, the, the top eight teams and, and let them play it out. Let them duke it out. 
three week, uh, a three week thing, and let them. If, I mean, it's gonna be entertaining. It's gonna be financially robust results. So at this point, I mean, <clears throat> this year really didn't have the big argument for the teams, but. You know, you could be intriguing. Yeah, Michigan fans may not have been happy uh, if they were left out as being at number nine. Um, but that's just what it is. I mean, at the end of the day, not too many teams uh, in a four or sixteen uh, or a four, not sixteen, not sixteen or four, six or eighteen playoff <coughs> a beef of not being in the playoff. Regardless, I mean, because who really has a beef? Ohio State semi beef semi, but the woodshed to, to Purdue is what put you down. Uh, Georgia semi, but you got two losses, and you lost your, to the number one team in the last game, even though you should have won that game. Mm-hmm. So who really has a beef? But in the eighteen, you know, it's the same. It's the same thing. So I just really hope that they consider it. But I just think it'll be more entertaining. I think you can really uh, strategically place games around the other, make the other bowl games. Uh, these these uh, bowl games during the week, during the day, before Christmas break starts, before the holiday break starts, really kind of throws it off. I mean, I don't mind the night. Humble Bowl is just really interesting. You got to find a way to make it happen so it's not 1230. I mean, because unless you, you know, if I'm a college fan, I, I like to watch as many games as possible at this point because it's going to be over with in a little bit. So give fans opportunity. But, you know, that's where it is regarding uh, that aspect. But I think eight is the way to go. Eight is great. Uh, come up with a system. Uh, <clears throat> the best team from the conference. Maybe if you have a put in a rule, you have a, a, a conference champion with more than two losses, then you go to the go to your uh, to your conference for them to select a team. How about that? How about that? You'll have some conference going mm. to war to pick the best team to represent the conference. So, and of course, it's down the line. I want as creative and uh, has detailed a process for the 18 selection. I think a clear uh, characteristics, what they're looking for. And at the end of the day, this is what I, I would like. And I'm going to shut up about this. I think I, I, I want the committee to have more transparency. Watch mm-hmm. the results. Because at the end of the day, you can't change anything. But at the end of the day, player uh, coaches and schools know how to approach things. You know what? I'm no longer going to play this NAIA school on my schedule because it's going to hurt me. Yeah, it's not going to be a big payday for those smaller schools, but guess what? You can find a, 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 a smaller Division One school to, uh, to play that to give you some type of pay. So I just think um, that um, it's coming, and it's coming sooner than what people think. So get ready. I would say I'm gonna say four years max. Uh, I think the announcement will come in 2019 that they are gonna do it, but of course they have to kind of work that out, like passing medical. I mean, passing recreational marijuana, and it's two years before it goes into play. It's the same concept. 
So your fandom, Quinn, mm-hmm. led you to be a hater of whether it's your home team or visitors. To what lengths will you go to either let the opponent know your disdain for them or the home team know how displeased you are with them? I mean, at this point right now, it's, I guess I'm not the same fan I was maybe five, ten years ago. The slappiness in me has kind of just uh, uh, um, um, went down a lot. So I'm not as easily excited for certain outcomes. But um, I know fans out there, and I've seen it, that feel entitled because I pay your salary because I bought season tickets or I bought this ticket to say whatever I want to say to you. Whether it's your the home team or definitely the the visiting team, because you're you're doing something to my team I don't like, and it's that that false sense of ownership and uh and false sense of right that I think that has permeated America because of social media. I mean now people will get on Twitter, Facebook, some of these uh, message boards, and say anything because they're in the cloak. Uh, anonymity of being behind the computer screen. And a lot of guys, a lot of people forget that when they step into these arenas and try to carry out the same thing. They, 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 they're they keyboard tough guys and they think, oh, I can say this to this guy, nothing, nothing's going to help me because I have security backing me or this player can't hear me. Well, you're wrong, you idiot. They can hear you. And some of these guys will call you out on that BS i.e. what happened with uh, Kevin Durant and uh, excuse me, and last night with Blake Griffin. Now, um, Durant is starting to develop a – and it's, it's not a good look for him, so to speak. I mean, you have a guy that already has long the long ears of sensitivity, <laughs> and it's a bad thing for him. So, I mean, it's just interesting. You have to have – you have to be okay with – you have to develop those that that ton of excuse me, I'm sorry, that ton of vision, and avoid certain things because it's, it's always going to end up bad for the player, not for the fan, not for the fan. Yeah, it's it's going to always end up. This it, is a bad all around uh, uh, scene with studio gangsters come on out and whatever to to the players. You can voice your discern. You can boo. But being outright disrespectful, crossing that, uh, being a habitual line stepper, really just need to level yourself. I mean, if they, if they let you, if they do that, you probably just stop watching the game. And some people do it to try to prove they're a tough guy or, yeah, I did this, I cussed this player out. I mean, but I don't know if you saw um, – who was it? I think it was Marcus Peters. Mm-hmm. So, uh, when a guy was saying stuff, but it was just a whole, the whole thing of like, what's what's your end game with this? I mean, is your end game wanting the player to hit you in the face? What's the end game? <laughs> yeah, so he can sue and get paid. Right. And 
So and he, they don't have self control. They don't have this. They don't have that. Um, just really bizarre. Or seeing guys go ham even at a lower level, on a high school level. Like, what's the purpose? Like, you gotta have more purpose to your life than to let this be your true existence. So to me, it's a it's a hundred percent bushly. You can voice your this. But save it for the you can say happen to say it at the game, but it should be directed immediately towards the player and their direction. You can be upset with the player what they do. You know, you're not playing the game, so it's not your job as a fan to get the player off off their their kilter, but you can do that by doing, by caring, by making noise, by doing all the things that, that Fans are expected to do, but I mean, a fan is going to get those hurt. I mean, we've seen it before. Um, fans are a uh, fan is going to get themselves hurt, and they're going to feel justified. And and the athlete, unfortunately, is going to be vilified. But it's the same thing. And I can't remember what athlete said. It's like me coming to McDonald's and harassing you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coming to your job and harassing you. Not about what you you know you're trying to do your job to the best of your ability and somebody else doing it. But I think I think the biggest thing I really think that we were back in the fifties and sixties where players got paid uh salaries that weren't high enough for that to be their only job. It was a different level of respect. And I think that's the the root of some of the players, um and I mean some of the fans and why they really go after players like that. There's a level of jealousy for guys when he just plays sports. He getting paid more than me. I can't afford to go to a game. That's that's part of it. Or, you know, it's like, you know, infallible. I'm paying like you said, I'm paying your salary. But it's a to me it's just a sad step. And I just really think that that um players will sit on their hands forever. You think the players are gonna sit here and just take it? Then you're sadly mistaken. Um, that, that because it's not gonna happen. Because some player, and it may not be a fan, uh, a star, it may be a third, is going to go off and either to a verbal, heated verbal confrontation or physical confrontation. But it's it's becoming an alarming trend. So, and I think on the other end, what the what the NBA should do is if these fans are doing this, man, get these guys up out of there. Put them on a probationary status. Hey, you can't come to the game for the rest of this year. You have another incident after this year, you out of there. I mean, these guys, these guys who are doing this are not about corporate seats. I, I find it hard to believe. Um, but they have to do something before somebody gets hurt, and you do not want hit anything reminiscent. Uh, that was a horrible sight. Oh yeah, definitely. So here we go talking about your the, the NFL. Um, NFL really uh, the discussion points have really come about with the discussion of tanking, and it really came about. <clears throat> In Detroit, because people are mad, literally mad, that the Lions won games. Um, 
And I really find it hard to find the logic. Like, they were mad they won the Arizona game. <laughs> uh, but then you have people happy, literally happy, that they lost um, this last game. Where's your logic? Because in, in the NFL, you are not one player away. You, I'm not saying you're rarely one player away from where it is that you want to go as a team. As a, but Hank is almost like um, a Houdini trick in the NFL because to get all to be on board to play bad enough to not win purposely. Um, far fetched. I mean, because you got to do this without players getting seriously hurt, right? And the ego and pride of a football player combined <laughs> getting them on to coordinate to play together to lose. What players will agree to that? Because number one, your spot's not. Because we're gonna get high draft picks, so all these guys are gonna be on here. So some of you guys are not gonna be here. <laughs> Number two, if you can coordinate them together to put it together to to lose, then why how in the hell can you not do it to win? It's just just the the NBA. Yeah, I can see it. the the NFL. The only person in the NFL, I think, or the only entity in the NFL that can allow a team. Is the GM. And how does the GM do that? He doesn't do it one year. He does it over a number of years. Uh-huh. By not getting ta- enough talent to be successful. So even though I'm getting high drafted because I'm not playing uh, well, I'm, I still don't have enough in the role players and the depth to be successful. So I have my young guys and they're out there. But I also don't have enough talent to push through that. But that can only last so long. At least under the regime. I mean, do you think it's possible for NFL teams to turn? Nah, because not with how you broke it down and expressed it happening on the field. Now, coaches and GMs may put a guy on injury reserve or choose not to play certain players, and that can impact the the product on the field. But when you're looking at a player saying, oh, I'm not going to play as hard, I'm not going to give my all, that's foolish because players have bonuses, have incentives within their contracts tied to performance. And like you said, I might not be with this team next year. I mean, look at the Lions. How many of those guys that they bring in a one, one, two-year contracts just to see, okay, can we get something out of them? So if I'm on a one-year deal, I'm not just playing for the Lions. I'm auditioning for another team trying to still trying to secure a long-term deal. So if I rack up, I have a good season. Yeah, the Lions may not want me, but I can still go somewhere else and get that multi-year deal that I'm looking for. So I'm not going to tank because I'm not sacrificing that. This could be my last chance in the league. 
if 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 a team decides or another team says, oh yeah, we saw you what happened in Detroit. You you look like you wasn't trying to play. You look like you ain't want to play no more. And it's like, no, but we were doing this. I was tanking. Mm, tanking? What the hell is that? Exactly. So what happens? So what happens when you face adversity with our team and it's one year? Are you gonna tank? Nah, it's 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 too hard. It's it's too it takes too much. You have 53 players that have to buy into that mindset of we're gonna lose on purpose. And as you said earlier, it still doesn't guarantee anything. Yes, that first, and, and I'm always reference the Lions in this conversation. Other than maybe out of the last eight to ten drafts, other than the whole uh, Eric Brown situation and the um, um, the lineman that ended up going to San Francisco, I can't think of his name. Um, those were the only two first round picks where you were like, "What the hell were they thinking?" Um, so they've had some success. So thinking. And you're gonna find players that are taken in the middle of the draft, in the middle of the first round, or even the back end of the first round that still perform. They're still performing at high level. Because I really think, unless you're inside of that top five, and even then, that's a crapshoot. Because I will never forget this guy, Aaron Curry, linebacker from Wake Forest. Lions fans were so enamored with this guy. Oh, we want him. We want him. We want him. I don't even think he was in the league three years. And he decided, okay, this is not what I want to do. So you can have guys in the top five that just that don't pan out. It's it's I think it's really up to yeah, you may miss out on a guy that turns out that way, but as I tell people, he could have came to Detroit and not performed. Because there's so many things, it's scheme, it's uh the talent around them that has just as much as the the environment, the culture have just as much to do, have a say in that player's success as that player does. So you, if you have a jacked up culture, which you kind of fragmented by convincing your younger players to tank, what you think was going to happen when you get that that second round, that second, that number two pick in in in, in camp? He's going to find he's going to fit into that whole losing mentality with that with those first round picks from the last two or three years and you're not going to be able to break that mentality easy. You're not going to just be able to say, okay, now we're ready to win. No, it's not. So now you're going to spend three or four years trying to teach them how to win and hoping that you can bring in veterans that know how to win. But why would a veteran sign with you knowing that you're not committed to winning? So it's it's a, it's a cycle of ineptitude that you really don't want your team to participate in. I mean, look at the the Browns. Look at the Browns for the last five years, and I think even without them saying that they were tanking, that was the closest thing that you could say. But look how long it's taken for them to finally be competitive. You know, I mean, we're crying about six, seven, eight, nine wins. Just look at what the Browns have been doing the last three or four years. Two wins, one win, three wins, zero wins. You don't want to go back to that. And that's the risk that you take if you go into tank mode. And a lot of these teams, the 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 
the true deciding factors as far as talent is is made in the third in the, the third, fourth, and fifth round. And at that point, it don't matter whether you the the first pick in the third round or the fifteenth pick in the third round. It's just about your scouting your the your scouting department being able to find talent in those rounds. And that's where you find the the Antonio Browns. That's where you find the Kareem Hunts. That's where you find those players that make difference that you didn't that nobody expected. Those are the difference makers. The teams that are successful are the teams that are able to turn those those fourth rounders into all pros, those sixth rounders into all pros, those undrafted running backs or those undrafted players into contributors. That's where you decide, and that has zero to do with your draft position. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, I, and I just I think in today's climate with sports and um, the access that people have to sports, I think you also have access to more out the box ideas, whether they're feasible or not. In the video game, I'm playing the season in 2K right now. I can take the season. Tank the season easy. I can make stupid trades. I can simulate everything to try to get a draft pick to improve my team. But again, when you're dealing with real people and everybody is not a multimillionaire on the team, so everybody doesn't have that mentality of, oh, you know, I'll be here for a while, we can improve. It just don't, it just doesn't work that way. And I think people really need to get out their mind. I mean, you have proponents that just say, yeah, you need to tank to lose, but why, how is that, what business model is that to sustainability and being successful? It's not. Like, is it, hey, we're going bankrupt so we can have to come up and be a Fortune 500 company? No. It's to save, cut your losses at that time. And then, if you're a Lions fan, how, how much do you trust Drafting at all, regardless of who, right? <laughs> of what regime that you're under, how can you trust it fully at all? The drafting of players in the city of Detroit with any of the four teams enough to say, "Hey, we're gonna tank, and this is gonna be the deal." I, I know, I, but that's just. So, before we go, it's almost Christmas time. And of course, here at Sports Q&A Podcast, we definitely want to share with you our Christmas wishes for our favorite team. You and I both picked four teams that are near and dear to our hearts. And we're just going to give you a little wish list that we have. For my first team, and my all-time favorite sport of baseball, my Detroit Tigers. My wish list is for them to continue to do what they are doing now, to play young players, to evaluate and allow them to develop, 
and to build up the team to the point where you can add a or a pair of big name free agents that will allow you to take that next big step. When I mean that, I don't mean that during the 2019 season and probably not during the 2020 season. Probably the 2021 season where you have the ability, where you have a young core that has played together, together. You have a pitching staff that has been developed where you can add a ace. You can add a big bat. Maybe add a big closer. Mm-hmm. A relief player to be able to have something that is sustainable without having to use the model of the late great Mike Illich is to just try to buy your way to a championship. Because unfortunately, we got to the World Series twice, but we did not get that third worst World Series win. Well, not third. The, the second in my lifetime. The 84 was a show enough long time ago. But <laughs> I just like the way it goes. I hope Garden Hire will be the manager when he turn it around because I really like his style. Uh, but that's what I. Well, that's my wish list for the Tigers. It's not to just jump up and be a surprise team in 2019, but I don't see it. You got a lot of holes. You got a lot of young guys that have to prove that they can have success over an extended period of time. So my wish list, Tigers, to be patient, continue to develop. Al Alava, as you like to call yourself, and your son calls himself Avila, uh, continue to make the right moves the right decisions. Uh, we got a, a, a big uh, chunk off our with Victor's retirement. That's coming off the books. Miggy, I hope he is, can, can uh, contribute to uh, a tune of 280, 25, and 95 RPM. Um, that would be a success considering the last three seasons with him being security ridden. So that's my first wish. I'm gonna let Quinn pick one of his and out, and I let him do both of his, and then I'll come and do the last one, close it out. Um, the first one is for the Pistons. Um, I, I the the superficial wish is a some guard scoring. I I understand Reggie is a guard. Reggie Jackson is a guard, but I, I still think he's a little bit too inconsistent. Um, they need somebody that they can trust to get buckets in addition to what Blake is bringing to the table, who's been a pleasant surprise this season. Um, everybody was all oh, the injury Blake. This ain't the same Blake, but I mean, Blake has had some very good moments. They just need somebody alongside him and Drummond that can do some perimeter shooting, that can handle the rock and, and get them some some more quality looks. And unfortunately, I mean, we, we, we were just talking about drafting. They they had those opportunities, but because of previous um, mis mis decisions, they they let guys like Trevor Booker. And and uh, Donovan Mitchell fall to the wayside. So I think if they can find another score, preferably, and it's gonna have to be in the draft because 
the the, the Pistons aren't a team that's going to attract that that next level score in free agency. So that's going to give them an opportunity. And, and also part two of that 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 wish is just continue to build continuity under uh, the, the new coaching staff. I think uh, what they've done is a is a refreshing take to what they the, the Pistons were dealing with with Stan Van Gundy. Uh, Stanley Johnson was in the doghouse because he had no role. He had no vision. Uh, even uh, Reggie Jackson is playing a lot better because he knows his role and he has a coach that's willing to that, – that believes in him. Now if we can get some other guys to fit into their roles. Uh, you saw what Reggie Bullock is doing. Um, Luke Kennard is come, still trying to find his way coming into the rotation after the injury. So we can find those things. That That's a, a good start. My second team – those lions. Um, I, I just find uh, uh, identity um, offensively, and de- I mean, I think defensively they they've gotten a lot better outside of that game against uh, the Rams, where Gurley kind of ran wild. They they've been they've played a lot better defensively the last few weeks. The offense has just escaped them. Um, so to be more specific, find a offensive coordinator that can get this offense out of the doldrums. We we talk about Jim Bob Cooter being the savior from uh, Lombardi, but it's like we're still in that same rut. And I think now we have what was the issue before, and this goes back to what I was talking about with uh, Caldwell. Caldwell was an offensive coach, and they still had struggles. Um. They still couldn't run the ball. And that's one thing they are doing a lot better this year. They have a better dedication to the run game. But now we just got to find our our, our way with the, the passing game and, and more creativity, I think, because the, the, the issues with the line can be resolved if they find a schematics, a, a set of schematics that will help them overcome that. I mean, I, I hear all the jokes, the, the negative comments about Stafford, but Stafford is – good enough. He may not be elite. He may not be a Hall of Famer, but he's good enough. If you can see guys like uh, Case Keenum and all these guys get to the the NFC's championship and all those games, Stafford can get the Lions here. It just has to be a perfect storm. He has to have everything else work for him, and they've never had that. So, find the identity, get some offensive vision, and, and, and continue to grow. And I think that'd be a good Christmas gift for me from the Lions. Yeah, that's a that's a great that that is definitely a great one for the Lions. Just the I think the overall consistency of just building it, put, putting it together at the right time, where you can add the pieces and not have to be in rebuild mode or act like you're not in rebuild mode when you are and all that other stuff. I'm being very interesting. There's a lot of uh, criticism of the the regime right now, uh, from GM down to the coaching staff. And I think it's just a, a given at this point in time that uh, the Jim Bob is going to be out of there. I think that's the first move of Patricia saying, hey, I'm handling this. This is my team. This is how we're doing it. So um, <clears throat> I think that's the right move. My last wish list for this year is 
for my Michigan Wolverines football team. Um, with them, uh, this season was a great surprise to me, at least. Uh, I think they superseded the expectations that I set. Uh, all you got to do is go back and listen to the podcast one as I criticized them regarding their um, lack of quarterback and leaning on the defense too much. We saw how that ended with leaning on the defense too much. Uh, I just think the creativity and the development of the offense should be very uh, – it has to be the thing to do to take that next step. I also think that uh, they have to continue to recruit at a high level and to get the top players, uh, the top players that they need um, to be able to compete. And I'm not just talking about competing with Ohio State, because if you can't compete with Ohio State, you can't compete on the national level. Or championships, that is. And that should be the goal. I mean, that should be the goal. You know, those who stay will be champions. So with that being that, I just – I wish for the continual growth uh, and not being content uh, with Michigan because, yes, they have improved. And, yes, oh, the, the revenge tour was almost a full success. But at the end of the day, um, at least in my mind, bringing Harbaugh in was not to have them to continue to lose to Ohio State continuously and um, to not really develop their – Full identity because I think uh, their defensive identity may change. Uh, Don Brownlee may not be as aggressive, but um, I think that they, even if you just go back and it's as mundane as people felt that Lloyd Carr was, there were certain things that you could just always expect and know to happen. After a turnover, first play, what they doing? going deep. Whether it was play action or just going off the deep ball. It was just certain things that were going to be done. And the thing is, is that the things that we're expecting are to be done now are, is the predictability on the offensive side. And that is not a good trait to have. So, mm-hmm. what I want for Christmas, and it may not happen in the bowl game, in the bowl game but I want a bag of tricks. I want surprise. I want all these different things to come out of Michigan. Michigan going forward. Um, again, I didn't expect this to be a one or two loss season, uh, just based on what I saw. So I, but I expect growth from him. Yes, you lost a lot. You lost the number one running back. You losing four strong defensive players. Um, one offensive lineman, but, you know, this is where the development and the depth comes into play. So this, to me, this, this season is the defining season of hardball for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, in order to be able to see that and determine where the program is whole, I want him to take the training wheels off. And if you're not willing to drive at a fast speed, let somebody else take the wheel. You just tell them which way to go. But I just need to see a little more offensively and 
defensively, more of an aspect where it doesn't, where it's not a um, all or nothing. So basically, I need to see pressure without blitzing against good teams because it comes against the the mediocre teams and the bad teams all day long. But I just need to see. I need us to compete on a national level. So that's my wish list. I think with all that that I just said, I could have just said that in the beginning. I want to right. compete on a national level uh, on a regular basis for Christmas. So that's what's in my wish list. So, Man, I, go ahead. And I'm going to add one thing, uh, being a Michigan basketball fan. Close the deal. Um, we've we've seen the team get out to a hot start, um, have potential now to kind of have one of their best starts in program history, going seventeen and 0, 16 and 0, depending on how things fall. But finish it, um, win the Big Ten, and be in contention to to win the national championship. I think everybody's looking at Duke. Everybody's looking at. Uh, Gonzaga, Kansas, but I think if they can find, and this is part of the wish list, find that that one score off the bench. If they can find somebody that can contribute, and we were talking about this with, with Xavier, he looked good the last game from three. He was three or four, and I think he's getting his confidence back because for him, I think it was a matter of something just broke within him mentally because you don't go from who he was in high school being a 58-point score having a, a flawless release to where he went in Michigan. It looks like his shot is totally different. And I think one, if he could figure that out, that puts them in a better position because now teams can't lax off him. And, and, and it makes it a, a whole different ball game. And, and just looking at how things are playing out, I think they are – They are. I mean, everybody's going to hype up Michigan State. And they're talented, but – I still look at Michigan because how they play defensively, they're the team to beat. That that is true, and I think finish the job them uh, really speaks volumes. Um, last year was a pleasant surprise them getting to the national championship game, uh, but now you've gotten to that point, you've shown that development. I think this is considering the type of players that beeline. Um, which really usually is that second or third year growth where you see that. I think this is the uh, alignment of the stars, so to say. Uh, where you have a first-year player that can score at will and a deep veteran squad, this is the year to take advantage of. Uh, and you can see other teams, uh, talk about Villanova, really suffering from losing a lot of uh, veteran leadership uh, and star power. Well, I think this is the opportunity for, for Michigan to take advantage of it and just interested in seeing how far they're going to be able to take it. They, they just look different. We talked about this offline a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the North Carolina game. They just look different because in, in years past, they would have just took that bomb from North Carolina and never recovered from being down early on. But they seem so unscathed and just was on cruise control. And next thing you know, they're blowing past them. So um, excited to see what this second half of the season offers for them. Um, 
we will not we would not be able to have this show end without sending out our prayers and wishes to a friend of the show, uh, Michael Roland Ramos, uh, on the loss of her father. Um, it's, it's, I want to say it was last week. Uh, your prayers are, are uh, you know, your family are in our prayers. Uh, and as always, you're welcome on the show anytime you want to be. Uh, also, sadly, uh, one of our former teammates in high school, Ron, uh, passed away today of a heart attack. So it's just a uh, just really just be mindful. Uh, time is precious. Spend time with your loved ones. Let stuff go. Appreciate the time that you have spent uh, with your loved ones while you have them here and while you're here. Uh, I'm going to be quiet because I can get on that soapbox all day long. Yeah, just cherish the, the, the family that you have. Enjoy them while you can because we never know when that moment may come where they're no longer with us. Um, this family is important. Friends are important. And never never take it for, for, for granted because you never know what may happen or what may be around the corner for them. So true. But with that, folks, this is our last show for 2018. We got a lot of stuff in the store for 2019. I want you to enjoy your holiday season. Enjoy your new year. And make sure you subscribe to our podcast at your favorite podcast uh, listening site, whether it's Anchor, whether it's iTunes, whether it's Spotify, whatever it is, just subscribe, vibe with us, give us some feedback. Also, check us out on Instagram, uh, sports underscore QA. Follow us on Facebook, sports Q&A, on Twitter, sports underscore QA, also on Twitter, sports underscore QA underscore press, and our website, www.sportsqanda.com. And and we switched to this new new platform this year. It's a little different. Um, but I think we enjoy this. We can do this. A little more editing piece. Uh, but I like it. Uh, so I really, um, we welcome the feedback. And you can give us the feedback anyway, whether you know us personally or through one of our social media outlets. And make sure you follow us. Make sure you follow us. Make sure you subscribe. Um, if you're also podcast, we do the same because we definitely listen and want to be close to the heartbeat of what's going on and the voices of uh, people who have a passion for um, sports and other things that they are that they want to share with the world. So with that. Enjoy the rest of your 2018, and folks, we will holla at you later. Peace. Peace. Holla, holla, holla.